Central banks are still grappling with what to do about inflation. The RBA is reluctant to talk about rate rises anytime soon because they don't think inflation is going to be a big problem. The Fed and the Bank of England are taking a different view, but how hawkish will they be? Well, we don't have long to find out. In and amongst all these inflation concerns, share markets continue to rise, but how long can that go on for? And China prepares for more lockdowns over their winter. It's Wednesday, the 3rd of November, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities on the up, up 0.4% for the Dow and the S&P 500, a quarter percent rise in the Nasdaq. Shares up in Europe, too. The DAX is close to 1% up, but the FTSE 100 down 0.2%. Oil is down as well, as much as 0.7% for WTI, down a third of 1% for Brent. The U.S. dollar up a quarter percent on the DXY. The big fall has been in the Aussie dollar, down uh, 1.3% now. The pound is down 0.3%. The euro down 0.2%. Bond movements, much more sedentary in the US, but they are falling back down again in Europe. German 10-year bonds down six basis points to minus 0.17%. 10-year yields have fallen 14 basis points in Italy, 10 in Spain, 12 in Greece, 9 in France. A bit of a reversal on yesterday. Tapas Strickland is here today from, from NAB in Sydney. Ta- Tapas, I think I said yesterday that the ECB was meeting this week, which of course they met last week, but the, uh, the explanation on bonds is the same uh, because the question is, will the ECB end its PEP programme? Well, the statement from the ECB last week said it would continue to, to march, but Christine Lagarde gave very strong hints about it being downplayed at the, uh, at, the, at the press conference. So less bonds being bought by the central bank, high yields, which is what, what we've been seeing, particularly in, in southern Europe since that press conference. But today, a fall in those bond yields in those southern European countries, which just goes to show, doesn't it, there is still a, a heck of a lot of volatility in bond markets right now. Oh, definitely, there is um, uh, there is substantial volatility in, in bond markets, and it's an interesting contrast when you compare that to equity market volatility. And when you look at the uh, relativities between rate volatility and equity volatility, I think that it's high since February 2020. So it seems like at least um, equities aren't necessarily looking at necessarily the same kind of fears around uh, where, where rates are going or where inflation is going um, as are uh, the rates markets. And part of the reason why uh, bonds rallied uh, last night is basically what came out of the RBA yesterday. And that was some pushback on market pricing. And if you recall, right around the world, um, market pricing has aggressively pushed higher over the past month as more people thought central banks would be nearing that point when they would start to hike rates. But a little bit of feeling that maybe central banks would be a little bit more more cautious, I think, has, has crept in. There. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the RBA because um, it was, I mean, there wasn't a massive reaction, was there? I guess all the, you know, everyone had been predicting what, what was going to be said and perhaps weren't disappointed in that there wasn't any great proclamation, the abandonment of the yield curve control, which we've been talking about. There has been a revision upwards in inflation forecasts and an acceptance that rate rises might happen sooner than they thought. But they're not really keen to give that away, are they? They still think inflation is going to be contained and rate rises are still going to be some way away. Yeah, so you'd have to characterise what Governor Lowe said in his post-meeting statement as fairly dovish there. And although he did open the possibility to uh, hikes in 2023, he did note in Q&A that the central scenario is still consistent with uh, 2024 view there. Um, so you'd have to say that's, that's pretty dovish relative to where market pricing is at, at the moment. But that skeptic that skepticism by by markets is is still there. And when you actually look at the December uh, twenty twenty two cash rate future, it's currently sitting at one point oh six percent, and that's only mm. really down by about 
eight basis points um, on where it was on, on Monday. So it hasn't been a huge move, you would have to say, in, in terms of the reversal of what we have seen over the past weeks. And I think there's uh, three key reasons there. So uh, in the Q&A Governor Lowe really downplayed the global inflation trends in terms of how they will impact on Australia. So I think that leaves the RBA really exposed on their inflation and their wage forecasts uh, with considerable upside risk there. And that's definitely what rates markets are pricing in. Mm. Um, I think it's fair to say that the RBA has been consistently too dovish coming out of the pandemic on, on its forecasts. And the forecast upgrades that we did see, which saw the CPI track uh, lifted up by 50 basis points to 2.25% in 2022 is uh, one reflection of that. And the third one, and I think this has been a little bit underappreciated by, by Martin Place, is that the RBA continues to show little tolerance for inflation being above the midpoint of the target. And there's some thought yeah. maybe the RBA is actually operating something closer to an inflation cap at around uh, 2.5% rather than seeking to average the midpoint of the band um, over, over time. And I think that's quite important because it's quite easy to see, just given all the volatility that we're seeing internationally in terms of supply chains, it's quite conceivable you do see core inflation at 2.5%. And it's not inconceivable you see wages growth at 3%. And in that scenario, it doesn't no. look like the RBA has much tolerance for having inflation above 25 I mean, but it, could it go above that? I mean, keeping it uh, below 2.5% when we're seeing rises around the rest of the world is a bit of a vain hope, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I think the risk is in the next few quarters for Australia, you do get a lot more of that in, in international pass-through um, in terms of the supply chain disruptions. And then you also have reopening frictions as well. So one example of that, obviously, is uh, the international border f- uh, f- we for Australia is now opened for Australian residents and citizens to, to go out, but um, it's not necessarily as open for foreign uh, residents to, to come in. So you could see a bit of a domestic labour squeeze uh, coming from there as some domestic citizens choose to leave uh, Australia for other opportunities. Um, and then in addition mm-hmm. to that, you look at where job ads are at the moment, they rose 10.1% according to SEEK in, in October. Um, and New South Wales was up by another 20% in, in October. And just remember, it rose by 20% in, in September. So there's a lot of labour demand out there. The closed international board has definitely created um, labour shortages there. And so that has a potential to lift up wages growth in the near term, higher than what the RBA was, was thinking. And the, the strong response we're seeing in the Aussie dollar today, I mean, bond rates have fallen, but the, the, the fall in, uh, in those is disproportionate to, uh, to the fall that we're seeing in, in the dollar, isn't it? And I, I guess it's taking it back below. 75, which is where we were before this bond craziness started. But it's also pulled the Kiwi dollar down. That's well over 1% today as well. So, And we're seeing a bit of a, a move to the yen as well, which suggests there's a bit of a bit of caution emerging in currency markets. Oh, definitely. And so, um, well, definitely the Australian dollar was lower in the wake of the RBA meeting. And it is worth noting that um, the Aussie didn't really rise by all that much um, with the lift in rates, mm. um, but it definitely fell as rates... Uh, Pull, pull back a little bit in, in Australia. Um, the other interesting thing that's going on is what's going on in China. And I think that is starting to weigh on risk sentiment a little, a little bit more. And two broad things occurred. And so the first one is um, iron ore futures uh, in China were limit down uh, 10%. Um, and it really comes back on flagging steel production in China, just amid signs of economic growth doesn't look all that strong, particularly coming out of the property sector. We've been talking about Evergrande uh, for quite some time on on the morning call. Um, You add on to that the blue skies policy for the Winter Olympics, and it's looking like a pretty 
bad market yeah. in terms of steel production and uh, iron ore. And then the second one is the zero COVID policy in China mm. is creating a lot of disruptions Yeah, there. absolutely. So we had the Min- Ministry, Ministry of Commerce, yeah, telling local authorities they've got to make sure they've got adequate supplies for food for the winter, encouraging people to stock up. Can you imagine what that's doing to supermarket shelves in, in, in China right now? But, but that is a concern. It's interesting because people were looking at this and thinking, uh, you know, the uh, maybe this is to do with Taiwan. Maybe they're going to make some, some tensions are going to rise over Taiwan, which they've been quick to try and uh, discredit. But yeah, it is the fact that they are expecting uh, as more people travel around China, there's going to be more lockdowns, which obviously is really means more disruption to international supply chains. Oh, definitely. And just worth noting that half of the flights to and from Beijing's two major airports were cancelled on Tuesday as they did tighten ah. up those travel, travel restrictions. And just looking at the Global Times there, sorry, yeah, looking at the Global Times, the uh, Chinese uh, authorities kind of English language uh, newspaper there, uh, they had an um, editorial that suggests that China isn't giving up on their zero COVID strategy. So the potential for supply chain disruptions coming from China uh, continues. And that obviously has a potential to continue to disrupt global supply chains and also continue to feed those kind of global inflation pressures and keep that long transitory view of inflation. Yeah, and those, and a stark reminder of those supply chain problems, that not just in China. If we look at, uh, well, it'll be related to China, of course, those European manufacturing PMIs, the final number uh, has been revised downwards quite a bit, actually, uh, further below the September numbers. So for the euro area, down from 58.6 in September to 58.3, but Germany from 58.4 down to 57.8. So that's a concern, isn't it? And then on top of that, Oil. It looks like oil supplies are going to continue to be a problem because OPEC countries clearly are struggling to meet their quotas. Yes, yeah, so it does look like there has been a little bit of softness coming through uh, in terms of the global manufacturing sector. And um, in addition to the European um, PMIs uh, overnight, if you cast your mind back to the ISM uh, for the US uh, on Monday, uh, just was saying the new orders component did fall. And uh, there were some thoughts that maybe that was due to people putting off purchases because of higher prices due to those uh, supply chain disruptions. And also some thought that when you do a regression of the US ISM against the Chinese PMI, there's about a two-month lag there. So it may suggest some of the weakness we're seeing in China is going to feed into uh, global manufacturing conditions. And just one last thing on that, um, Premier Li Keqing uh, noted that uh, China did face a new downward pressures and had to cut taxes and fees to address problems. Right. So getting back to this, uh, you know, this divergence between the direction that's being taken by by bonds and by the markets fearing inflation and the equity markets almost uh, carrying on blithely uh, based on on strong earnings results. That's doesn't that sort of suggest that equity markets are taking a longer term view here? And there with the school of thought that, yes, inflation may raise. And uh, so long as, as companies aren't feeling the margin squeeze, which they're not, they're just passing it on, which, of course, adds to inflation. But that, that is just going to be, a tra- it, you know, that word transitory. But the prices, as high as it goes up, they will come back down again. So that's good for companies. So they're taking the, the, the longer term view. Do you think that's the reason why the, the, the difference in attitude? Yeah, I think that's a, a key one is really the earnings season has shown that firms do have pricing power there. So it hasn't really impacted on earnings all that greatly. But they'd be, but they'd be worried about inflation, wouldn't they? I mean, companies would be saying, hang on, if inflation generally is going to go up, then at some point demand's going to fall. Uh, yes, but as, I, I guess that's true. And um, But at the moment, at least, uh, you're seeing some pretty stellar um, earnings there and hasn't really impacted on, on and, and consumption yet. Um in addition to that, when you look at um, the pricing with, within curves, um, so while short-end 
pricing is definitely lifted um, for a number of different central banks. When you look at the longer end, actually those longer end yields are starting to decline a little bit. And so you've had this curve flattening theme going yeah. on for quite some time. So the extent of rate rises may not be as high as um, some within the equity market had feared, say, at the beginning of, of the year. Yeah, well. which all gets back to, to, you know, what Jerome Powell has been saying, doesn't it? That, you know, perhaps this is it is transitory. It may be a bit longer than thought, but uh, they are ultimately going to come back down again, uh, which, which which creates a challenge, doesn't it, for, for central banks? So that's the question for the Fed tomorrow morning. We're expecting tapering to be announced, but but Jerome Powell is still promoting the line that the QE and rates are not interlinked, except for one can't start till the other one's finished. And, you know, he will no doubt be pushing the barrow again out on the argument that, yes, it's it's transitory. So don't worry too much about it. Yeah, I think that's a neat summing of, of what you should expect out of the FOMC. And I guess for, for tapering, uh, widely expected that they will reduce purchases by $15 billion each month, uh, comprising $10 billion Treasury and $5 billion agency MBS. And for such a profile to uh, end by June 2022. And just worth noting, the FOMC minutes for the September meeting um, gave broad support for s- such a profile there. So it would be a surprise if it deviated from that. But um, I don't think many people are thinking along those lines. And then really about where Chair Powell stands around his views on inflation and whether he still think uh, he's sticking to that transitory view and whether it's becoming more nuanced and perhaps becoming more long transitory. And I think the other one will be is uh, Chair Powell's views on inflation expectations because the Fed can sit out a transitory rise in inflation so long as inflation expectations aren't impacted uh, too much. When, When you do look at inflation expectations, they're now coming back towards average levels. So the Fed does have a little bit of room to to, to, to move here, but um, if inflation expectations were to keep rising, then I think that uh, starts to uh, scare the Fed a little bit. And also just worth noting, the FOMC as a whole was evenly split on the prospects of a 2022 rate hike. So I think the developments that we have seen uh, suggest that at the December FOMC meeting, the majority will probably be seeing the prospects uh, of hikes in 2022, and markets are still pricing in uh, two rate still, hikes uh, in the back still end got, of uh, Still got to worry about jobs, though, haven't you? There's 4.7 million people who had a job before the pandemic who uh, who don't now, and the unemployment rate might be down to 4, 4.8%, but that's because there's a much lower participation participation rate. So they've got to keep an eye on that. And with that, we've got the ADP jobs numbers for the for the US tonight. Uh, and ahead of the Fed tomorrow, Australian building approvals. We've got the Kaijing Services PMI for China, the ISM services for the US. I think you mentioned that. The ADP payrolls I've just mentioned. And uh, quickly before we go, the RBNZ financial stability reports out this morning and the New Zealand labour market data. Uh, inflation, I would imagine, would be the thing we'd be looking out for there, uh, uh, particularly wage inflation, I would have thought. Uh, definitely. I think that would be a, an important report there. And when you look at the consensus for uh, wages growth, excluding overtime, it's expected to remain no, relatively high at uh, 0.8% mm. Q on Q. Um, as for the financial stability r- report, unlikely to be all that market moving, you'd have to say. And RBNZ Governor Orr did give a speech yesterday on the housing market and it didn't really offer too no. much new insight there no no uh, not our problem he seemed to be saying didn't he um <laughs> anyway we'll leave it there for now uh, we'll be back with uh, what the fed has said tomorrow morning but uh, for now great to talk catch you soon tapas cheers thanks phil we really will be hot off the press on the fed tomorrow morning uh, join us for that i'm phil dobby for nab have a great day